Jesus Christ. So, Father, I thank you right now for doing it in Jesus' name. And, Father, I pray you that if there's anyone that is not in the service, that is not saved, they're going to come to you today. And we give you thanks and praise the Lord and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was here before we got here. Amen. Now I'm going to share a word with you today and I'm, and, um, it is in the spirit of Christmas. I'm actually titling it Christmas. Your peace, hope, and joy. Your peace, your hope, your joy. So let's turn um, to Luke chapter 1. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now I'm believing that as we go through this word, that there's going to be Revelation. That we will, be, we, will be, we will have some new thoughts that we may not have had before. Amen? And that we will receive more from this, this reality of, of Christ being born and going to the cross. That we will receive more than we may have before from this entire Christmas story. But it's a reality. All right, Luke chapter 1. And let's just read from verse 4. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Sorry, I think it's Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Yes. Hallelujah. All right. Verse 4. So Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth. Into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. The time came for the baby to come forth. And she and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory, the glory of the Lord shone wrong about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings. I bring you good news of great joy. Say great joy. That sounds like joy unspeakable and full of glory. I bring you good tidings. Of great joy. The gospel has great joy with it. Which will be to all people. 
It is available to all, but it only comes upon those that would believe. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, a Savior who will save you from your sin and who will save you from the penalties of your sin, who will, who will be the Savior of your spirit, the Savior of your soul, and even the Savior of your body. He will be the bishop of your soul and bring you into the peace of God. He will be the savior of your spirit and bring you into the righteousness of God. He will be the savior of your body and bring you into the divine health where Christ himself becomes your redemption and becomes your health because you are now members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones and his body and his flesh and his bones are healed. So there is born to you this day in the city of David a savior. Oh, he is going to be such a total savior. Who is he? He is Christ, the Lord. He is the one that is anointed by God the Father. Hallelujah. He is the Christ. He is the son of the living God, anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. And he is Lord, even at his birth. He is Lord and he is master. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, wholeness, everything reconciled. To God's original intent. On earth, peace. Everything will be reconciled to where it would have been had there never been a fall. On earth, peace because of this Jesus. Goodwill towards men. God will no longer hold their sins and trespasses against them. For God in Christ will be reconciling them unto himself. So that in the throne room of God and in heaven... There will be no record of sin. They will be wiped away by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that in his presence, in the throne, there will be no remembrance but their sins and iniquities. God says, I will remember them no more. But this is only available to them that believe. It's available to all, but it comes upon those that believe. So glory to God in the highest. On earth, what do we have? We have peace and we have the goodness of God towards men. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, my objective today in, in this message is that no matter what, what you are going, what's going on in your life, what's happening in your circumstances, irregardless of that, I want you to be able to receive the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, and the hope of God that you've been born again to. I want you to receive Jesus as your peace today, as your hope, and as your joy, irregardless of circumstances. Irregardless of circumstances. You know, the thing about it is, God has raised us up in Christ so that we are far above principalities, powers, and every name that is named. That means every kind of circumstance. But you see, if we look, at the horizontal, 
And if we let circumstances and, what, and appearances, what it looks like, if we allow ourselves to come in agreement with what it appears to what information comes from your senses, then what would happen is that you will have an agreement with carnality. And if you have an agreement with carnality, you already have an enmity from with God. If you allow your, yourself to be dictated by the opinions of people, what people think, what this one says, what this other one says, if you do that, what happens? You will come in agreement with their opinion, and if their opinion has limitations and curse connected with it, then you just uniting yourself with their limitations and with their curse. But thank God there is a better way. We have been raised up together with Christ. We have been made to sit together with him. So set your affections on the things which are above, not on the things which are beneath. The things which are above where your life is hid with Christ in God. Where you are far above all principalities and powers. Where the works of God are finished. Where you are more than a conqueror. For as you think and as you see yourself the way God does, and as you take that perspective of who you really are, not the thing, not what it looks like, not what it appears like, but those things that are eternal. When you take that perspective, not looking at what is seen, but at the things that are not seen, you will rise above the circumstances. And then your very faith that is based on what is finished will also bring to pass. Your faith will give substance and will cause the change to take place in the natural. Amen? That is such a wonderful truth. You're, in other words, it's, a, it's as if your faith has this, con you know, sometimes you can, you can take some coins to, to the bank and you can have it converted to something else. Faith has a way of converting what it is in the natural to how it is in the realm of the spirit. I'm saying that because what I'm going to share, you're going to have to mix faith with this. And if you mix faith with this, you can have the peace of God that is already yours. You can have the hope of God that you were born again to, and you can have joy, unspeakable, full of glory, that is totally independent of circumstances. Amen? Hallelujah. It is your right to have these things, because Jesus has paid for them. The peace of God is yours. Why? Because Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world give it, give I unto you. Not as the world. You see, the world will give you peace. But the peace that the world gives is a counterfeit. It is unstable. It is based on reasoning. It is based on logic. It's based on circumstances. It's based on appearances. And again, those things will just pull you down into a realm of carnality and limitation. But the peace that he gives is different. It's above. His peace that he gives is based on truth. It's based on what is finished. It's based on who he is. It is based on who you are in him. It is based on the reality that history has no voice in your life. So don't let your heart be troubled. And, don't, and don't, do not be afraid. By my sacrifice, said the Lord, I have fixed everything. Everything that could be against you. I have put an end to everything that is to cause you to be dumb and to cause you to be under and to cause you to fail. I've fixed and put an end to it by my death and by my sacrifice. And I've given you my victory. Make that identification that my victory is your victory. 
so you can have hope. You've been born again by resurrection to a living hope. Christ himself is that hope. You are born again to a living hope. What does that mean? It means that you can have, you can have a confident expectation to see the goodness of God even right here in the land of the living. Why? Christ in you is the hope. Remember, it is as he is. Christ in you is the hope. He is your hope. He is your joy. He is your peace. It's a supernatural divine hope. It's not based on circumstances, but it can change circumstances. Amen? So receive Christ as your hope. Receive him as your peace. Receive him as your joy. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, it says how in, in um, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to finish that one. That wasn't the scripture. But anyway, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, and he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. That's Acts 10, 38. But the verse I was looking for is Hebrews 1, verse 9. This bit says, God anointed Jesus and gave them the oil of joy, he gave them joy and gladness above all of his fellows because of the fact that he loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Because he chose the fear of the Lord. Because he chose holiness. God anointed Jesus with joy above his fellows. Well, that same joy that he's anointed with is yours because he himself is your joy. Amen? And it is your strength. Hallelujah. Joy, if we can receive it, will put you over every time, in every situation. That is the reason why in James it says, no matter what's happening, no matter what the test or the trials are, no matter what the pressures might be, count it all joy. Knowing this, that that situation, that trial... Knowing this, that the trial of your faith, it is your faith and trial is on trial. It is you are on trial, are you going to stay in faith? Are you going to believe according to what is written, to what is finished, or are you going to believe the circumstances? And it says if you would stay and let your faith pass the test, and not quit and not give up, but continue to believe according as what is finished, according to the word of God, according to the truth, not according to appearances, not according to the sight. That if you do that and you let faith, you let patience have a perfect work, you, let f you stay in faith, you could become entire wanting nothing. In other words, there will be no situation that you wouldn't know how to come through victorious. Because all you're going to have to do is get a hold of what the word of God is, apply faith to it, stay in faith, and through faith and patience, you will inherit the promises. Amen? But sometimes in even to be able to stand and remain in faith when the assaults are against you, when the, when the, when, when, when the tide is against you, when the wind is against your face, and when, there is, when there's all these other turbulent things happening, in order to be able to stand and remain in faith, you need joy. Amen? You need joy, but you must acknowledge that you have that joy and that it is your strength. And as you, and as you declare it and as you speak it, it will be made manifest. Many times we do, not, we, do not, we do not have the experience of what God says belongs to us because we don't take time to put it in our mouth. Amen? Unless you, unless you say 
and do according to what is settled in heaven, it will not be settled on earth and become your experience. Amen. Say the joy of the Lord is my strength. Right? And when you function in that, what happened? It will shut the devil's access to your emotion. It will shut down that door. So that even though, like as it says in Peter, even though you haven't seen Jesus, yet you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Here you are. You are born again. You are following a Jesus that you've never physically seen, but yet you're prepared to die for him. Yet you're prepared to be ridiculed and be mocked and, 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 and all kinds of stuff. For a Jesus that you haven't seen, what does, what does that tell you? It tells me you've got faith. You've got faith. You can do this. Amen? Well, the same joy wherein you are able to rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory over the Jesus that you haven't seen, you can use the same joy in any circumstances. And, the, and it says when you will rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, what will happen? It will move you to the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. In other words, it will move you to the place where your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions will also become stabilized and anchored in the word of God. So that even though the storm would rage, your soul would be anchored. And you will not move. Amen? Hallelujah. What am I saying? I am saying you must receive the peace of God, the hope of God, and the joy of the Lord. It is your strength. It belongs to you. It is your right. But you've got to receive it. And it is to that end that I pray, according to Romans 15, verse 13, that the God of hope will fill you, each and every one of you, you, me, personally, will fill you. The God of hope fills you, not just will, fills you with all joy and peace in believing. In believing. Not according to circumstances. Jesus said to, 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 um, to, to Thomas, blessed are they who don't see but yet believe. Yet at the same time, it says we look at things that are not seen. Well, how can we be looking at what's not seen and at the same time, blessed are they who don't see but yet believe? It's like you got two sets of eyes. You've got these physical eyes, but that's the one that is going to cause you trouble. But then you have these spiritual eyes that can cause you to see what's finished, that can cause you to see the realm of the spirit. And that is the eye of faith. Amen? That is the eye of faith. So, so, so then, here, here is what it is. So you are to... So the God, the God of hope, fills you with all joy and peace in believing so that you might abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. But, if, what, is the, but what is the fulcrum? What is the pivot point? It's your believing. God fills you with joy and peace in believing. And your believing must not be based on what it looks like. You got to believe according as it's written. We believe and therefore speak. Amen? And then you will be able to mount up with wings as eagles. And then you will be able to abound in hope by the very power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So, all right. So how do we get here? How does this whole thing work? Well, let's go back to the birth. <laughs> in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, Unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. So a child is born, that's Jesus, and a son is given, the Son of God. 
That is what they call in, in theology the hypostatic union. The hypostatic union. God taking on a human body and living as a man. It is the, it is the divine nature of God that is clothed with flesh. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1, 14 says, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It is the very nature of God in humanity. But at the same time, without the omnis, you know, God is omnipresent, present everywhere. God is omnipotent, has all power. God is omniscient, all-knowing. But this God that became a man, this son of God that was living in this body provided through Mary, having the full nature of God, being perfectly holy, perfectly righteous, perfectly loving. The, the word of God says in Philippians 2 verse 7 that he stripped himself of his God, of his, of his I'm going to put it this way. He made himself of no reputation, and he stripped himself of, of those omni-qualities. So here Jesus, he was God with God's nature, but yet he was not omnipresent. He could only be in Galilee. He can be in Galilee and at the same time be a, be, be a Nazareth. He couldn't be in, 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 in Jerusalem and, then, and be in the uttermost parts of the earth. He couldn't do that. He was only in one place at one time. He was not omnipotent. He didn't have that omnipotence, nor was he all-knowing. But he, he was hearing from the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Amen? But let's not misunderstand it, though. That this, 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 this hypostatic union is God with all of his nature, with all of his divinity, without the, omni, the omnis living in human flesh. The Word of God says concerning Jesus in, um, in Luke chapter... 2 verse 52, it says how that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He grew in these areas. He, but he, nevertheless, he was perfectly holy, perfectly righteous, and had the nature of God. All right. Now, where are we going? We are going to this place where we can fully grab and receive and take this peace and this joy and this hope and receive Jesus as our peace, as our joy, as our hope. But in order to do that, you absolutely must receive all of Jesus' victory in every area as your own. you got to receive Jesus' victory. Whatever Jesus did, you've got to see that he did it for you. You see his victory over sin, sickness, disease, curse, poverty, lack, relationship, dysfunction, whatever it is. Whatever victory he has, you must see it as your own. So much so, this is why Jesus said, and remember when Jesus said in John 6, 53, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, except you become so engrafted, so consumed, Right, so fused, so united with, 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 with my blood and with my body and what I did, un, until you could fully make that identification, you cannot have my life. Do we want his life? Hallelujah. His life is full of peace. His life is full of hope. His life is full of joy. Amen? So we've got to know 
with an absolute certainty that everything Jesus did, he did for us. We've got to know that. Because you see, when we can recognize that everything he did, he did for us. When we can recognize that all of his victory is your victory. When you didn't go to the fight, that is why it says you are more than conquerors. That is why it says, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And you can have, in the world, you're going to have tribulation, but I have overcome the world. You say, well, what does that have to do with me? He overcome the world. He did it for you. He did it with you. And it is as if you did it. And he wants you by faith to receive it that way. Literally. Amen? You are, say, I'm more than a conqueror. But in order to do that, for this to be more than, this must not be a mental ascent. This must not just be some intellectual comprehension that we are taking hold of. It has to become a revelation. It has, it's got to be more than information. It's got to be something where you see it, you get it, and you, you stay with it until, it until it bursts forth. You've got to get it. That you, but in order to do that, you've got to recognize that everything Jesus did in his birth, from his birth, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, shed blood, that every bit of it that was done, it was all done for you. And it was all done with you in him. He didn't die for himself. He didn't go to hell for himself. He didn't need to do any of that. He was God to start with. He, everything was okay with him. He had a good life. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> he had a good life, <laughs> right? All power, he did it all for you. And as if that's not enough, he also did it all with you and him so that you can boldly say that when he did it, I did it. Amen? You got to make that identification. Glory to God. You've got to receive that. That is why Romans 5 verse 17 says, um, to one man offense, death reigned by one. But much more, they which receive, say receive, they which receive abundance of grace and receive the gift of righteousness. They that receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, they shall reign in this life by one Jesus Christ. They shall reign as kings. They shall rule. They shall prevail. Who? They that receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign as kings in this life by virtue of what Jesus has done. Romans 5.17. I'm emphasizing you've got to receive. I'm emphasizing in order to receive this, you've got to see that everything he did, he did for you and he did with you. You see, at the end of the day, it really is this simple. There's nothing that you have. It says in 1 John, 1 Corinthians 4, 7. There's nothing you have that you did not receive. If you have a mass, you received it. The hair on your head, you received it. Amen? There is nothing. The breath you have, you receive it. There's nothing that you have that you did not receive. So if there is something you want to have and you need to have, then it's going to only come by receiving it. Amen? So you've got to receive. <laughs> Amen? You've got to receive. It's absolutely necessary if you're going to experience the victory. 
It says, thanks be to God which give us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. But you got to receive it. How do you receive it? It is by faith. Say by faith. It is by faith. And faith is not just some cliche, cute little thing. Faith is real. As I said, faith is what converts that which is in the realm of the spirit to make it so in the natural realm. Colossians chapter 2, verse, verse 6 says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. How did you get born again? You were saved by grace through faith, not of works as any man should boast. You got saved because you, because you heard the word of God, you believed the word of God, and then you acted on that word. And you believe God raised Jesus from the dead, and you receive him as Lord, and bam, you got saved. Well, you didn't earn it. Well, it's the same thing. Every step along the way in your Christian life is going to be everything. Jesus has already finished it, but you've got to receive it. How? By faith. The victory is all yours, but you got to take it. How? By faith. And take is perhaps a better word than receive. Because somehow the word take seems to have more action in it. So that it's not just a fact, but it's an act. Say, I got it. I take it. The peace of God is mine. The hope of Christ is mine. The joy of the Lord is mine. Right? You've, but you've got to make this identification. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Let's walk through a few verses here. Hallelujah. Actually, let me go all the way back to verse 3. Romans chapter 6. Do you not know? Do you, do you not know? That as many of you as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, you were also buried with Christ through baptism into death. And that as Jesus, that as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, you should walk in the newness of life. Because you were crucified with him, you were resurrected with him. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. What am I saying? Make the identification. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might, might be done away with, so that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Again, make the identification. Now, if we be dead, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing, knowing what? That Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Well, I'm telling you, when you are born again, you have been raised up from the dead, and there ain't no more dying for you to do. Or you might be separated, your, your body, and your spirit and soul might be separated from this body in physical death, but that's about it. And even that would only be temporary. <laughs> Amen? But there is no more separation between you and God, ever. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You are sealed by the Holy Ghost. No one is able to snatch him out of your hand. For you, there is no more death. Jesus put it this way. He says, he that liveth and believeth in me shall what? Shall die later on? <laughs> shall never die. Say never die. But how could we make such a radical statement? Identification. We are making the identification. This is what it says. Now if we died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ having been raised from the dead dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. 
Well, it doesn't have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but you're under grace. Hallelujah. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life which he, that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, 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 you reckon yourself. Do the calculation. Come to the conclusion. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. So everything Jesus did from his birth to the throne was for you. Jesus lived perfectly. Now, uh, here's what you got to dare to do. When you walk through this, you've got to literally put yourself in Christ. You got to see everything Jesus do. And, and, and you know, and, and, and be all googie eyes like, wow, awesome. But as you see that, recognize he's doing it. But he's doing it for you. As if you did it. I know you didn't really do it. He did it. But he says, I'm doing it for you. Receive it just as if you did it. And think and talk this way. Let this mind be in you. Amen? So here we see Jesus as a man walking, living perfectly, never sinned in thought, in word, in deed, or any other thing. He was tempted at every point, but he never yielded. He never yielded to the lust of the eyes, to the lust of the flesh, to the pride of life. And there is no sin outside of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the um, eyes and the pride of life. Every sin falls into that category. So Jesus was tempted in every point, yet he didn't yield to it. He's without sin. But he did it for you so that you can receive it as if you did it, yet you didn't. But except by faith through him. Amen? He never sinned. Hebrews 2 verse 15 says, he was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus fulfilled every requirement of the law on your behalf and you got to receive it that way he didn't come to it says in Matthew 5 17 he says I didn't come to destroy the law but I came to fulfill it and he did Romans 8 verse 3 says God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh there was no sin in his flesh in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemn sin in the flesh. In other words, in the flesh is like he beats sin up. Right? He beats sin up, took, the, took its power out, declawed it, took its teeth out, and everything else. Think about it. He defeated, condemned sin in the flesh for who? For you. So, I, I, and I'm trying to push this. I'm trying to stretch this. I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to take this as far of you making this identification. The degree to which you got to make this identification. Turn me to Deuteronomy 28. Let me just show you how, just how much you must make this identification. You know, I remember Deuteronomy 28. I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with that passage where it says these blessings shall come upon you and so on and so forth if you hearken diligently to his voice and if you obey all of his commandments. And I mean, these are great blessings. You'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed going in, blessed coming out. Your enemies come against you once way, they'll flee seven ways, and there are all these wonderful blessings. Everything you put your hands to will prosper. But then here was this big condition. Right at the very beginning of it, here was the condition for those blessings. It shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully 
all his commandments, which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all. In other words, that's what it takes. According to that man, bam, all these wonderful blessings, I just was just totally disqualified. And so were you. Then when we get down to verse 15, and it have about 50 something verses of curses, it says, it shall come to pass if you don't obey the voice of the Lord your God and you don't observe carefully to do all of his commandments and keep all his statutes, these are the curses that will come upon you and overtake you. Oh, my, my. Can you see? <laughs> but thank God. Say thank God. Now, you see, Jesus fulfilled every requirement of the law. He did it perfectly. He didn't break any one of them. And because he did it, and he did it for you, you could come to this passage in Deuteronomy 28, and you can say, because the Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior, my brother, because he, he fulfilled every requirement, every law, every, he hearkened diligently to the voice of the Lord God Almighty. He did it on my behalf. So as a result of that, I am blessed going in. I'm blessed coming out. Everything I set my hands to prosper. Enemies come against me one way, they're going to flee seven ways. I mean, and yeah, I can declare all the blessings of the Lord. And as for these curses, none of these things will touch me because he come up on that cross. He redeemed me from the curse of the law so that the blessings are mine. Are you with me? Without the total, ident without the identification, you can't claim this passage. Are you with me? I'm just saying that to emphasize the degree to which you have to make this identification. Amen? Romans 10 verse 4 says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. In other words, when you believe, you don't have to figure out which laws I should or shouldn't fulfill. It is the end. It is a, I mean, you don't have to look to the law. You don't have to look anywhere else but to Jesus. He is the end of the law for righteousness to those who believe. You know, I mean, it's nice to keep the commandments in school and so on and so forth. That's fine. I get it. Let people get a sense of right and wrong, and especially given that the law is for the ungodly and for the lawless. Having said that, that's not what it really is all about. For you and I, the laws and the commandments were nailed to the cross. Amen? Colossians 2 verse 14. And by the body of Christ, we are dead to the law. And so on. Well, praise God forevermore. Jesus lived perfectly. And because of that, he was the perfect Lamb of God, without spot, without blemish. John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Joshua, John 1, 29. It says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, that Jesus was the propitiation, not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. He was the perfect atoning blood sacrifice for it all. He took the wrath of God. He paid the price completely. For every human being, and then whoever believed in him, guess what? Boom, they could get saved. By just believing he's been raised up from the dead and declaring, Jesus, I give my life to you. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. And if you've never done that, this is a good place to do it right now. On the cross, Jesus became everything you were. He became sin, sickness, disease, curse, separation from God, rejected. Why? He became everything you were, that you might be everything that he is. 
2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, he became poor that you through his poverty might be made rich. Everything you were, sin, sickness, all of that. Why? That you can be everything he is. That's why 1 John 4, 17 says, Herein is the love of God made perfect, that you might have boldness and confidence in the day of judgment, which is at any time. Why? Because as Jesus is, so are you in this world. Now, Jesus died two deaths. The first death he died was a physical death, where his soul and his spirit was separated from his body. When he says, into your hands I commend my spirit. No man take my life from me, but I lay it down. <laughs> Amen. And his spirit and soul was separated, and he gave up the ghost. And his body, he left it in the tomb, and then you know the rest of the story. He went to hell, etc., etc. So that was a physical death. But then there was a spiritual death because his nature became sin. He took on the sin nature of the devil himself. John 3, 14 says, like as the serpent was lifted up in, in the wilderness, so must also the Son of Man be lifted up. The same way Moses lifted up the serpent, Jesus had to be lifted up in the same way. In Psalm 22, it refers to him saying, I am a worm and no man. He had to take on that sin nature of the enemy. And he suffered separation from God the Father. He suffered separation from God the Son, the Son of God. And it was the Son of Man that was left hanging on that cross. The Son of God could not, because could not possibly take, take on sin. So there was that separation. So the Son of Man was left all alone on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in hell, Jesus was born again. He was born again when the wrath and the judgment and the punishment for sin was totally poured out upon him. He became sin and he took all of the punishment. And when, 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 the, when, when the wrath of God was fully satisfied, God raised him from the dead. He was made alive. Sorry, he was made alive in the very pits of hell. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 10 and 11 says, says that God would make his soul an offering for sin. And God will see the travail or the agony of his soul and be satisfied. And when that happened, what happened? Jesus got born again. He was made alive in the very bowels of hell by the spirit of God. Hebrews 1 verse 5 says, God says again, I will be to him a father and he will be to me a son. Amen. Because he had stopped being God's son when, when, he, when, he, when he became sin. But God said, I'm going to make him my son again. And on top of that, I'll make him God. <laughs> and let all the angels of God worship him. Can you imagine? God says, you shall worship no other God but me. But God the Father says, worship him. In other words, he says, he's God. And that's after he's been raised up from the dead. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But now he took all the wrath. He took all the punishment. I know there was a particular, there was a, there was a person that, I, that was having some struggles and, and believing that God was mad at him and, and that um, and, and, and the wrath of God is going to be poured out and it was just totally agonizing and tormenting him. But you know, it, that was a lie and a deception from the enemy. The same enemy that want to accuse you about stuff. The same enemy that want you to look at the natural so that you could become giddy. And you could be, fall into the valley of unbelief and disappointment and discouragement and all of that stuff. And if this person had this mindset of the wrath of God coming upon them. But here is what the word of God says. Romans 5 verse 9 says, um, being now justified, declared righteous by the blood of Christ, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. 
Is there going to be an outpouring of wrath for those who do not accept the Lord? When that time, when this day of grace is finished? Yes, there will be. There is a way of escape, which is Christ. But the person that doesn't accept Christ, then there is no other choice. The same judgment that comes on the devil, they remain hooked up with him, that judgment comes on them. And the wrath of God, yes, they will experience that wrath. But for us who are born again, it says because we are declared righteous through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be saved from the wrath that is to come. We shall be saved from the wrath through him. Is there any wrath coming to Jesus? No, well, as he is, so are you. Does Jesus have to live in sickness and disease? No, well, so are, so are you. First Thessalonians 5 says God had not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. God has said, look, I have an appointment for you. And that appointment is not with wrath. It is with salvation. It is with deliverance. It is with healing. It is with prosperity. It is with rescue. It is with freedom. Hallelujah. It is liberty. It's a call to liberty. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So when Jesus was raised up, was born again, in the very bowels of hell, you know what happened? Remember you were in him? You were in him. So what did he do with you? <laughs> did he leave you down there? <laughs> no, he didn't. The word of God says that he became the firstborn among many brethren. He got born again and every one of us got born again. Think about this for a moment, you know. I, I don't know if you can receive it, receive it. If you don't, just leave it aside. But can you imagine you were born again? We were born again. In hell. Oh, man. <laughs> Think about that. Right? Now, I know you didn't receive it until a few years ago, but this happened 2,000 years ago. God is eternal. Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. You were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. So Jesus, when he was born again, the Bible says he was the first begotten of them that sleep. He was the first begotten of them that sleep. He was the first among many brethren. You know, some, it's a, when Jesus was raised up from the dead and he ran into Mary, or Mary ran into him, and he said, don't touch me. And then he says, go tell my disciples I'm risen. No, 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 that's not what he said. He said, go tell my brethren. Amen? Hebrews 2 verse 11 says, he that sanctifies and they that are sanctified are one, and he is not ashamed to call us brethren. So Jesus went, he picked up his body from the tomb, and he took his blood before the throne room of God. Hebrews chapter 9 from 12 to 14 says, not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood he entered into the holiest, having obtained eternal redemption for us. He offered himself his blood through the spirit of God, and that blood is able to purge our conscience from every dead work so that we can serve the living God. It was all done. It was all finished. It was done. It was finished. But for who? For you, for me. The price was fully paid. Jesus said it is finished. God had found for himself a ransom, a redeeming sacrifice. The sin of the whole world was paid for. God so loved the world. He made Jesus to be the propitiation for the whole world. And whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So now it can be fulfilled. Now Luke 2 verse 14 can be fulfilled. Peace on earth and goodwill towards all men. Hallelujah. What do you mean peace on earth? Colossians 1 20 says that, um, says that, that by the blood of his cross, he has, he, has, he has reconciled everything to himself. 
having obtained peace. And it describes when you break it down, it says that peace that he obtained was everything reconciled back to God. That means everything being just as if sin had never been. So, you, so here you are, you've got problems, there are circumstances, there are situations, and if you listen to them, and if you let the voice of those affect you, it will discourage you, it will beat you down, it will, it will, it will steal your joy, steal your peace, destroy your hope. But then Jesus says, wait a minute here, stop, 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 stop. That same situation has already been reconciled in the realm of the Spirit. It is as if it has never been. So if you will receive that, don't be anxious, but receive that, and that peace will act like a garrison of soldiers that would circulate and keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. It will keep you in perfect peace if you could set your mind on the things which are above, not on the things which are beneath. If you could not look at the things that are seen, but look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And it says we need to do that. We need to consider him. We need to see what is finished. If we don't, then we become weary in our hearts and we faint. Fainting and weariness comes from the enemy and comes from circumstances. And you see, the enemy's plot and scheme, according to Daniel 7.25, is that he wants to weary out the saints. He wants to weary you down. How? By telling you the word of God had God said. No, God didn't say that. That's not what it means. So that he can weary out the saints and do what? Postpone your harvest. Change the time and seasons. But guess what? When the thief is caught, he shall restore sevenfold. He's a thief. He's a liar. Amen. It is done. It is finished. Everything has been reconciled. And this situation that seems to be against you, according to 2 Corinthians 4 verse 15, even this too shall work for your sake. Even this will work together for good. And in the, and this situation that seems so against you, what's going to happen? Where that sin and that situation abound, grace will abound even much more. So more grace is going to just have to, it's just an opportunity for God to show himself even stronger and even greater. Amen? Hallelujah. So let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't let your circumstances and appearances move you. Don't let them dictate to you. Know what the word, know what it has already said, that you can be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. In the world, you're going to have torment, but in me, you're going to have peace. In me, you're going to have everything reconciled. So walk in that peace. Walk and recognize that you've got this peace. Walk and recognize that those gospel shoes of peace, the gospel shoes, you are walking with a mindset that says everything is underneath my feet. You are walking in a mindset that says everything has been reconciled. And no matter how bad this looks, it has already been reconciled. All things are working together for my good because I love God. And as Jesus is, so am I in this world. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The effect of this righteousness is peace. Isaiah 32, 17. The effect of what? Living and making this identification of this oneness. I am saying all that I'm saying, but I'm also saying you must make this identification if you're going to be able to experience Jesus as your peace, Jesus as your hope, Jesus as your joy. Amen? Hallelujah. Because he is. He is your peace and he is your hope. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. There is no condemnation. This hope must anchor your soul. 
It is to anchor you. It is to anchor you. It's a hope. Christ in you is a hope. You've been born again to this. Amen? You've got to let this joy bubble up. Bubble up in the inside of you. Rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. God is in the midst of whatever is going on. He is in your midst. He is always there, but you must acknowledge him. You must make that identification. And you got to stay in faith. You know, there's, um, there's, a, there's a number of scriptures. In fact, I think in, in the book that I've written, there's about three or four pages just on that subject. The issue of operating and in, in, in doing the always of scriptures. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ concerning you. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Pray without ceasing. Stay in that interactive, intimate fellowship and oneness with God at all times. That's what prayer without ceasing is all about. Give no, give no place to the devil when at any time. Amen. Let the peace of God rule when all the time. Set your affections upon him when all the time. And there's just a whole lot of things, but just in the area that we're talking today, the peace of God, the hope, and the joy. It's yours, but you've got to take it. You've got to recognize this oneness. You must recognize everything he did. He did for me, and he did with me in him, and it is mine as if I did it. Amen? I didn't say I did it, but it's as if I did it. He is Lord of Lords. But you, even if you're a child, you are still Lord over all. And we got to believe that stuff. Amen? Let's just pray for a minute. Father, we thank you for your word. I just want us to make this declaration right now. Say, Father in heaven, I receive Jesus is my peace. Jesus is my hope. Jesus is my joy. And I believe that. So, Father... You who are the God of hope, you who are the God of peace, that bruises the enemy underneath my feet, fill me with all joy and peace in believing that I would abound in hope, that I would abound in peace, that I would abound in joy through the power of the Holy Ghost. For the kingdom of God is within me, and that kingdom is not appearances, it's not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, it is peace, and it is joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, I just want to give you one word just as we receive the offering. And that word comes from Psalms 96, verse 8 and 9. And I invite you to participate online here. But especially this time at Christmas where, you know, we give gifts. This is a time when we can also release our faith and acknowledge the Lord. Psalms and his part in our life. Psalm 96 verse 8 says, Give to the Lord the glory that is due to his name. Bring an offering 
and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the, beauty of, in the beauty of holiness. I believe in our giving and our giving of an offering. It is an act of worship before God. So I just want to invite everyone to participate in the middle of this season and to declare, Lord, they, the wise men, they brought gifts to Jesus. I bring my gift. I bring myself and I bring the fruit of my body. I bring the tithes. I bring the offering. And I bring it before you, Lord, and I worship you in, in Jesus' name. Now, for those of you online, there are a number of ways in which you can give. Um, you can text TLMHCA to 77977, or you can go to our website at tlmh.ca slash give, or you can do an e-transfer to information at tlmh.ca. And, of course, you can always mail any checks um, to our um, address here. Amen? Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Eternal years, Christ the Messiah. 